Hey everybody, welcome to Valley Church. It's so good to be able to worship with you. Uh, if we haven't met, my name's Brandon. I'm one of the pastors on staff and I love that you're uh, worshiping with us this weekend. I gotta tell you, the weather, uh, it's no longer been a scorcher. It's still pretty nice out, pretty hot out there. And whenever the weather uh, is nice enough, that's really all I need. Weather that's nice enough, what I like to do is I like to get out on my deck and I like to grill. Uh, about a year ago, I purchased a brand new pellet smoking grill. And this, I mean, it's, it's so amazing. Like it's more than I could ever dream of me wanting or needing. It's the perfect size for my family. And on one side of this grill, it's got a flat top. Like I just have this cast iron flat top and I can do eggs. I could do pancakes and hash browns, but I can also smash hamburgers. Smash burgers are the best. Uh, you can do chicken, whatever you want on there, right? But I can also take that flat top off and, and it becomes a grill. You know, I can just grill burgers and hot dogs. It's really cool. But on the other side is the pellet smoker. And I love this thing. Like when I saw it, I knew I needed to purchase it. I mean, I was just pacing and wondering, could I afford it? Should I purchase it? But every time I walked past this grill, it's like my beard grew. It just said, you need to get this. And so like, I just, it sucked me right in. Uh, and, and I'm smoking meat. I'm trying to figure out all of the best recipes and temperatures and, and you know, sauces and rubs to get all, but I'm telling you, it wasn't as easy the day I bought it as, as it is now. And by the way, it's still not easy. But when I got this thing, it was very intimidating. I just had no idea how to smoke meat. I had no idea what I was supposed to do with, with this thing. Uh, and, and, and it was so like curious that I would just talk to anybody I possibly could about this uh, smoke and meat thing, right? I would just pull into Menards sometimes after work and I would just hang out by the wood chips, hoping that somebody else would walk over by the wood chips so that I could just ask them, hey, what do you, uh, what do you normally do on your pellet smoker? Uh, you know, I'd have conversations like that. Most people didn't like that. Most people didn't want me to talk to them because it's weird to ask for recipes, I guess, at Menards. But uh, I found some guys eventually. I've got a, a community that I talk to about smoked meats online. And I've got a couple of people locally, uh, you know, some guys in the church, some guys outside of the church, but I've got a guy for that now. You know what I mean? Like I want to smoke me, any kind of meat I want. I just, I just call the guy. I'm like, I got a guy for that now. You, you, maybe you have a guy for that. You know, if you're, you're cooking, you need some cooking tips or you're just kind of wondering what temperature things need to be. You know, I've got, a, I've got a guy for a lot of things. You know, wh whenever I need tool advice, you know, uh, I used to go to my grandfather. I had a guy for that. It was my pop pop. And uh, this guy, uh, he was so good with tools. He just knew everything. Uh, he was the one who purchased my first tool set and gave me a toolbox. And he just, I remember getting it for Christmas. I rip it open, this red toolbox. And he just looked at me and he says, you know what that is? And I was like, toolbox. I was just so pumped. And he said, don't cut yourself with the saw. And I was like so cautious, but certainly that was the very first thing I did. I just cut myself. I was bleeding everywhere, but he was my tool guy, right? Uh, and I was young and I was growing and I needed to borrow all of his knowledge to make it my knowledge. Uh, I, have, I have somebody, if ever I want to make an apple pie, I had, I had a girl for that. Uh, her name was Grammy. My Grammy, she could make the best pies in the world. Uh, and sometimes I would just be at the grocery store. I would crave her apple pie and I would decide to make it because we are hours and hours away, but I wouldn't know what to do. So I'm in the grocery store. I would call my Grammy and I would say, I need to make an apple pie. What do I need to buy? And she was just so honored that I was borrowing that information from her. She was so honored that I would call her to talk to her about like the needs and she was, and I know, I know what she did. I know she went to my mom that same day. Every time I would call, she would go, hey, did you hear from Brandon today? And my mom would probably be like, 
Uh, no, why? She was like, well, he called me. Because she loved to, to tell people that she was needed. I mean, we all do, right? Like we're borrowing ideas from all kinds of places and all kinds of people. You know, if I have a lawn question, I got a guy for that. Uh, if, I, if I need my lawn mowed, I have a guy for that. Actually, I have a kid for that, whether he wants to be or not. He's getting out there and he's mowing. You know who I'm talking to. Uh, if I have a car problem, I got a guy for that. If I have a leadership problem, I've got a guy for that. You know, if I want to have a garage sale at my house, I got a girl for that. It's my mom. She's a professional. She doesn't mess around. I mean, if I want to do a garage sale, my mom's going to show up and she's going to have a fleet of tables. She's going to have all the pricing stickers. She's going to have a cash box. She's going to bring the right change because she's not messing around. Like, I want to, like, borrow and take from anybody I can to just you know, make life a little easier. It's, it's what we all do, right? If I, if I need some handiwork done around the house, you know, I got a guy for that. Actually, my wife has a guy for that. It's me, it's me and YouTube. I just try, I can't figure I can't break anything worse. And if I break it worse, I'm gonna pay a guy to come anyways. I'm that guy for that, right? I'm just trying it out. And when people don't have a go-to person, they search for a go-to person. Uh, let me introduce you to uh, Dad Advice from Bo. This guy has 34 million likes. This guy is somebody's guy for something. This guy has so much advice. He's got so much wisdom. And he's passing uh, his advice on as a just wise dad advice. And, and for three plus million people, this is a lot of people's guy. Check out this video. There is nothing more aggravating than snapping the pull start cord for your gas engine. But don't panic. It's a pretty easy fix. Let me show you how. On this unit, there are only three fasteners that have to be removed to take this front piece off. Once it comes off, I just do a quick review of how that cord's going to be threaded through the outside housing and how it will line up with that inside spring-loaded wheel. The problem is these cords are frayed when they break off, so I use a lighter or a match and melt the end to keep it nice and clean. Then you turn your inside spring-loaded wheel counterclockwise as far as it will go and insert a screwdriver to hold it in place. That'll give you the freedom to thread that cord through that outside housing, line it up with that inside wheel, tie it in a knot, and then remove that screwdriver and carefully let that cord thread itself back in, sliding it a little bit at a time. Remember, it's spring-loaded, so it'll just draw it right back in. Now, reinstall that piece on the front of your unit, fire it up, and you're ready to go. Nothing to it. That is so incredibly helpful. I would never have thought, I would have thought it's garbage. It's junk, or I'd have to take it in and pay somebody hundreds of dollars to fix that. But now I've got a guy for that. You know, we're searching the internet. We're looking for that person to beg, borrow, and steal ideas from so that they can borrow, uh, be, be our ideas. You know, uh, uh, you know, as I prepare brisket, I'm always preparing my brisket the way uh, Matt taught me how to do it. When I want to throw uh, a pork shoulder in the smoker, uh, my friend Rich, he told, he's my guy, and he told me that the time and the temperature. I've got a guy for that. And you and I can do that with everyday basic life tasks. We're looking for life hacks and, and home improvement pointers and cooking tips. But when it comes to God's word and it, when it comes to God's ways, any borrowing or blending is a compromise. It compromises the integrity and purity of the good news. This is exactly what the Colossian church was bumping into. They were living in a chaotic culture that wanted to mix and match and just take the things they wanted from other religions and, and make it their own religion and call it good, call it done. 
but the Colossian church stood above that. You know, some wanted to take uh, the benefits and the compromises, but, you know, as we jump into Colossians chapter 1, we see that the, uh, the Colossian church was being encouraged and aligned by the Apostle Paul. You know, following Jesus in a, a culture of chaos, it's not easy. Uh, and, and it's really not different today. You know, the, the struggles that the church in Colossae had are a lot of the same struggles that you and I have as followers of Jesus here. You know, the church in Colossae, just like ours, experiences pressures to turn from Jesus or actually turn to a version of Jesus, which is no Jesus at all. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, I'd love it if you'd flip there or click there, find your YouVersion Bible app and make your way to verses 9 through 14. And we're going to see Paul encouraging and aligning this church. Like Paul gives just an amazing prayer for the Christians in Colossae that their faith would stand up under the pressure of culture. And his prayer, it is a, a powerful prayer for them, but it is a, a great example for us to, to not only look at, but to be praying for the church today. You know, Paul shares uh, with this church the prayer that he prays for them. He like writes it down and, and, and we see that it's a prayer of spiritual growth, of, of God's strength, not this church living in their own strength, of faithfully standing up under the pressure of a culture that's in opposition to Christ. You know, ultimately he's, he's praying that they would get more of God and uh, the results of that would be that God would get more of this church. Check this out, verse 9. Colossians chapter 1, for this reason, since the day that we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. I got to tell you, like everything that Pastor Quentin said last week, everything he taught, everything that he brought us into, like the Apostle Paul saying, this is why I've been praying for you. I am thankful for all of these reasons. I mean, everything, the, the, the fruitfulness, the faithfulness, the, uh, the good things that Paul was hearing about. He's saying, he's saying, I just, I just am so thankful. These are the reasons I'm praying for you. Here's a couple of specifics. Look at verse 4 of chapter 1. Uh, for we have heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and of your love for all the saints. Like these two things are paramount in, in our walk with Jesus. And actually, this is one of the reasons we, uh, we have life groups at Valley Church. Because we want to connect people to Jesus and we want to connect people to people. And the Apostle Paul was saying, church... I love that you're all about Jesus, and I love that you're about encouraging other Christians. Uh, in fact, let me, let me tell you, look at this image right here. You, if you don't have your worship folder, you might want to get one. Get online. Go to valley.church slash lifegroups. Uh, we've got this QR code right up here is going to show you a catalog of every single life group that is available and open right now. We are in the throes of signing up the most people for life groups that we ever have in a decade. It is phenomenal. And I want you to maybe consider trying one. I, I, we want to invite you time and time again, but it's more important for you to take that step and get into community like this because life groups are all about connecting people to Jesus and connecting people to other people. Um, that's not the only reason that, that Paul is, uh, is praying this. Look at this. He also says it's because of the gospel that has come to you and the gospel is bearing fruit and it is growing all over the world just as it has among you. Paul says, I love that you're focused on Jesus. I love that you're encouraging other Christians, but I also love that the gospel is central to everything, that it's growing and bearing fruit. This is so good. Like they love Jesus, they love one another, and it's vibrant and growing. You know, Paul says, I haven't stopped praying for you. Look back at verse 9. We haven't stopped praying for you. He and Timothy, they've just been praying for this church. You know, I kind of wonder how long Paul's 
prayer list was. He had to have a prayer list, right? You know, when, when somebody asks you to pray for them, like, do you write it down or do you just think you're going to remember it? Because uh, I need to write it down. You know, maybe you journal, maybe you've got an app, you've got some kind of list somewhere. I can't just say I'm praying for you because when I walk away, that's really the last time I think about that. It just leaves my mind. I've got to write it down. And I find that if I don't write things down, I don't do them. And that includes prayer. Here's three things that happen to me. Like, here are three things that I have done. It's kind of embarrassing to mention, but, but I'll say, you know, I'll pray for you. And I don't write it down. I just hope I remember that always fails. It always fails for me. Um, sometimes if I do remember, I might pray right before I fall asleep. You know, I'll get in bed and then I'm just praying while I'm laying there. And I wake up in the morning and I'm like, Amen. Like I didn't, I don't even remember finishing the prayer and I don't know how honoring God finds that. The third thing I do is I just lie to people. I just flat out lie. I say, I'll pray for you and then I never do. And the thing is, I'm not intentionally lying to them. It's just this, man, this half-hearted sincerity. Like I, I want to pray for you. I will pray for you. But if I don't write it down, I'm going to forget to pray for you. So instead, let me tell you three things I do now to help me out of this kind of funk. Uh, if somebody says, hey, will you pray for me? One of the things I do most often is I just say, can we just pray right now? Like, I wanna pray for you right now. And in the moment, the two of us pray together. The second thing I do is sometimes I'll tell people, uh, you know what, I'm gonna be praying for you this week. When I know that something's coming up, I want that person to know that I'm gonna be praying for them every day. But, you know, for my sanity, I don't wanna feel like I prayed, or, uh, offered to pray infinitely. I just want to put a little bit of a time limit, you know, and so uh, that helps me remember, but it also creates some value around that for me. The third thing I do is I write it down on a card. I write it on a card. I keep it at my desk in my office and, and I pray. When I see it, uh, I pray for people. I pray for people on the list and I hope that it encourages them, uh, which is why sometimes I even text them, hey, I prayed for you today. I hope you're doing well. I want to remind them. That's kind of what Paul's doing here. Like he's writing down his prayer and he's telling this church and, and this church finds this very encouraging. He was sincere. He did it. And then he tells them that he did it. And he doesn't tell them he did it be, because he wants like credit for it. He just wants to encourage them. And he writes down how he prays. And the first thing that he prayed for this church, you might want to write this down. He prayed for God's will in their life. Like we all want to know what God's will is for us. And he is praying for God's will to be revealed to this church. You know, uh, this wasn't a Christian culture. It was a chaotic culture. There were many religions, lots of division. And Paul wanted to see unity within the church. He wanted this church to be filled with God's will and not full of the preferences of people. Look back at verse 9. He says, he says here's what we're asking. You want to know what we're praying? You want to know what we're asking, God? We're, we're asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. This is a big deal. You know, uh, have you ever been to an amusement park where uh, you've seen those water rides and like on a really hot day, it's kind of cool to like cool meaning a good idea, right? To stand by the water ride and get sprayed and spritzed a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, if not, or if you just need a refresher, check out this video. Are you, I like, I feel sore and I feel just drenched because of that video. 
Like, just so you know, that's really what Paul is praying here. That, that this church would be filled with the knowledge of God. Not sprayed, not sprinkled, not a little spritz. Like drenched, just completely drenched with God's will. That, that means, you know, also that they're not full. That, that they need God to continually fill them and show them his will. They're being filled constantly. There is a constant need for a growing knowledge of God's will, and it happens over time. You know, Paul starts the, the prayer by asking for God's will. He wants God's direction to be clear, not culture's will, not their personal preferences, not their own will. Maybe you want to write this down. There's no way to be filled with God's will if you're not willing to release yours. A lot of us wonder what God's will is, and we just assume that the will that we want, the will that we have is God's will, and we just like keep running in this direction, and it's like, why is this not working? Maybe it's because you're not releasing your will so that you can be filled with God's will. I'll tell you this, we live in a, we live in a do-what-you-want-to-do kind of culture. That's why releasing your will is really hard. I mean, and I say you, but I also mean me. Like, I know things that I want. It's hard to release those things. And can we agree on something? Whether, whether you just want to go about your life and do whatever you want to do, uh, or you're really trying to, like, focus and follow God's will, can we agree on something? Over the history, all of written history, any history that we have or know, and the history that we're living in today, I think we can agree on two things. Do what you want to do is not a new message. It has been uh, here for thousands of years. But also, do what you want to do, it's not working. It's not a new message and it's not working. Why don't we get it? You know, the more that you and I do what we want to do, the more time we spend wasted uh, when we do what we want to do, the more we, we uh, chase things that we don't deserve, things that we don't need. You know, the more we do what we want to do, we, we spend money that we don't have. The more we do what we just want to do, the more we get hurt and, and the more other people get hurt. It's just not working. How fully we embrace God's will, it really affects my walk. And as you say that, you're saying your walk. Like our walk is affected by the level of God's will we know, we understand, and we embrace. You know, in verse 10, we see that when, when I'm being filled with God's will, it makes my, my walk worth something. Look at this, verses 10 and 11. So that you may, this is like, I'm praying for God's will in your life so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in knowledge of God, uh, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may uh, have great endurance and patience joyfully. Like joy is in this, endurance is in this, patience is in this. Like we want to walk worthy. Don't you kind of wonder what does a walk worthy of the Lord look like? I mean, that would be something for us to pursue. That's, that's like something we should like keep in front of us at all times. You know, when you're following God, there are some very specific things that happen, without a doubt. You know, and as, as we're filled with the knowledge of God's will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, it enables us to have a walk worthy of the Lord as long as we're looking for it and pursuing it, uh, that we're chasing after God's will. Here's what it looks like. Here's what a life 
that is worthy of the Lord looks like. Number one, it's, it's bearing fruit. Underline this in your Bible. Uh, bearing fruit in every good work. Imagine this. Imagine that you've got an apple tree or a pear tree or a grapevine. I mean, any kind of fruit, uh, you know, you name it. Like those trees do not produce fruit unless there's a healthy connection from that tree to its roots, right? Like you get that, right? Like bearing fruit is just like that. But the source of life isn't, you know, roots in the ground. The source of life is the person of Jesus. When you're connected to Jesus, your life begins to produce spiritual fruit. That's just what happens. When you're faithfully following Jesus, good works produce good fruit. Um, you know, you can see a, a short list of, of the different types of fruit that are produced in Galatians chapter 5. I think what's important to notice is that good works are a product of our salvation in Jesus. But good works do not produce salvation. It's because of what Jesus is doing in our lives that anything good comes from us. It's not that we do good things so that we can find salvation. You know, uh, uh, another uh, example of a walk worthy is seeing this growing in knowledge of God. Like, God has never been done with any of us. He continues to work on us. You know, a growing knowledge of God, it's not cramming more facts into our brains. Uh, growing knowledge of God is, is God revealing himself to us, revealing his plan to us. Uh, uh, you know, it leads to spiritual maturity. Uh, he develops and grows our wisdom and our understanding. There's so much development that happens here. As we grow closer to God, we get a better picture of who he is. You know, and Paul mentions one more identifier of a walk worthy of the Lord. It's receiving strength, you know, strengthened with all power. But I want you to notice something. Because a lot of people try to live life and, and do ministry and tasks and whatever in their own strength. But you'll notice that this isn't, this isn't my strength. It's his glorious might. Like the strength comes from him. It's like on loan. Like he, he's like, you know what? I'm going to let you lean into you. I'm going to let my strength be your strength as you live through this life. Like it's not, it's not me that is capable of doing any of the standing up under the pressures of this culture. And as we're being filled with the knowledge of God's will, we're being saturated. It's kind of like this waterfall. Like there's this chain reaction of good things in life that, that, that seeking God's will produces as you uh, apply it and as we find it. Like it's this constant ever growing state. Look at, look at this. Here's, here's these three more pieces that are just this waterfall of knowing God's will, walking worthy of the Lord. What's walking worthy of the Lord look like? Bearing fruit, growing in knowledge, getting strength. And then there's also a so that these things are produced inside of us. Endurance and patience and joy. I love this. Honestly, I need this. Uh, the, the, out of these three, I wonder which one you need more, but, but I need joy. I need to know joy is there. I need patience in my life because knowing that God's joy is present and available to me when times get tough, it really solidifies what endurance means. Here's what I mean. And I just want to be so clear. Like there's a difference between enduring and endurance. 
like uh, much of my life has just been filled with enduring something. You know, I guess I can sit through this. I guess I can put up with it. I guess I can tolerate it for a time. I guess I can try to get through it. But endurance is different. Endurance is uh, the strength to stand up under the pressure. It's, it's the, the ability to go further, longer. Uh, you know, it's based on uh, the level of strength and endurance you have, your ability to get through. And Paul says it's not your strength that provides that endurance. The power is received from God. Endurance and patience and joy grouped together are, are critical when we don't get what we want. They're critical when times get tough. They're, they're critical when we're dealing with difficult people. They're critical when we're juggling disappointment. And I'm, I promise you this. They're critical when our tendency is to escape to something safe and easier instead of uh, you know, living through the pressure that's really going to mold us and shape us into being who God wants us to be. I don't know if anybody's told you this, but difficult times are actually necessary for maturity. That's, that's unfortunate, isn't it? <laughs> like in order for us to be mature, we have to experience hard things. You know, that's one of the reasons God uh, grows these things in you as you're walking with him, because it leads to maturity. Jesus' brother writes it this way, let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature so that you may be complete, lacking nothing. So many people uh, are not complete. So many people lack something in their life that is connected to the fact that they're not enduring. And really, that enduring goes to hard things. Like, like we need endurance to stand up under the pressure because it's those pressures that make us uh, mature and complete, lacking nothing. And when we're filled with God's will, when we're, when we're able to walk worthy, we can bear fruit. We have a growing knowledge of God. Uh, we, we receive God's strength along with this gift of endurance and, and patience and joy. You know, it's impossible to show gratitude without joy. Uh, with, without joy, all we do is grumble. And God doesn't want our whining. He wants our worship. Paul encourages the church in Colossae to give thanks to the Father. He's like... Show your gratitude. Be thankful. Like, I'm thankful for you. I want you to be thankful for all this and be thankful for your God in heaven. Like, he pleads for this church to not miss God's worth in all that is happening in their chaotic culture. If you're taking notes, this is really the third piece uh, to this short passage is, is we want to see God's worth. We want to we find God's will. We want it to affect my walk. And we want to show God his worth. You know, I had a professor in Bible college who would often say, worship is worthship. And we were like, okay, what's that mean? You know, and, and the root word of worship, it comes from an old English word that means worthy or honorable. And the suffix ship, uh, you know, it is the state of being whatever comes before it. So worship really means the state of being worthy. Like, this, the, the, God has, like, so much worth. How dare we not notice it and adore and praise him because of it? You know, Paul, Paul, he prays that the church with joy 
would be giving thanks to God the Father who has enabled them to share in the saints' inheritance and the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son that He loves. In Him we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. You know, he's, he's really praying a prayer that pushes back on every area of their culture. You know, they don't believe in one God. They're, they're trying to fight for their forgiveness. They're trying to fight for what's right and not forgive others. They, they have their own domain, and it is darkness. And there is no inheritance. And Paul is praying all of these amazing things for this church. And I love this. This word enabled, it means qualified. Um, maybe make a little note in your book, because I think I think the word enabled, I mean, it's, it's really good. But I like this idea of being qualified. A lot of translations would say qualified here. And when I think of qualified, uh, it, it means you made it. It means you get to go to the next level. You know, I, I, get, I get mail from every single credit card company imaginable. Shopping uh, malls, department stores, banks, they're just like, we want you to have our credit card. Will you qualify? Here's, sometimes I even get a letter that says, you're pre-qualified. I'm like, me? I'm pre-qualified? We don't even know each other. I'm flattered. But qualified means that you've made it and we've got something for you. You know, when I was a college student, uh, I would see these, uh, these uh, credit card kiosks all over the place and they would just try to get you to sign up for their credit card. I think they were being paid a commission per application that was turned in. And when they got super aggressive, I didn't mind just filling it out whatever I wanted because I didn't really want to be there. I didn't want their junk mail. I didn't want my credit to get dinged, uh, but I did want that free gift. There was always the free gift that was just like, I guess this is worth five minutes of my time. And I would sit there and I'd fill my name and my address and I'd put, uh, you know, all of the details. And then when it would come down to the spot where it would say, how much money do you make a year? And I would be like, you know, $200 because I was a poor, broke college student. I didn't really have a job. And then when it would say, what other sources of income do you have? I would always write bingo and the lottery and an occasional house sitting, right? I wanted to make sure that I never got this credit card because I didn't want it. I just wanted the free gift. But this guy wanted me to qualify. Because if I would qualify, he would get something out of it. You know, there's, there's a lot in life that I'm not qualified for. A lot. I remember going on a college visit, and, and this college made sure I knew that I was not qualified. I, I visited a college, and the campus was fantastic. The classes were great. But I knew I couldn't afford this college. And I just thought, you know what? Maybe there's some scholarships. Maybe, maybe there's some assistance or some help. And, and as we're being taken around in a group of students and parents, we end up in this boardroom. And, uh, you know, the admissions director says, any more questions? And I just raised my hand and he said, yeah. I said, I'm just curious. The, the tuition is way out of my price range. I'm just wondering, what do you have in financial aid, assistance, scholarships? And he looked at me and he really crushed me. He said, well, and it was real brash. We don't really offer scholarships at this institute. Maybe the rare athletic scholarship, but to me, it sounds like you just need to find a college you can afford. I knew I was unworthy. But at that point, I also knew that I was not welcome. Have you ever been unworthy and unwelcomed? 
You ever try to work so hard to be qualified? The good news is, like, we don't qualify. And I love what Paul is saying here in verse 12. It is, it is God. It's the Father up in heaven who enables you to share. It is God who qualifies you to share in this eternal gift, spending eternity with him in a new heaven, in a new earth. I'm so glad that I can't work hard enough to qualify because I would never make it. You know what that makes me? Unworthy but wanted. <laughs> That's you too. Like you're unworthy, but you're wanted. You're welcome. God with arms wide open, he, he's welcoming. We want to get more of God into our life. We do. I wonder, like, is that even something you've ever thought of? Like, how do I get more of God in my life, knowing that I am not qualified, knowing that I am unworthy, but only qualified through him. Like, how do I get more of God in my life? And I got to tell you, it's not complicated. Uh, all it takes is commitment and focus. You know, we, we tend to over-spiritualize and overthink what is so simple. If you want more of God, here's, here's the secret. Spend more time with God. <laughs> if you want more, more of God, spend more time praying. Spend more time studying your Bible or reading your Bible. And if you're like studying the Bible is way out of my league, then find somebody who loves Jesus and read it with them. Feel free to ask questions, kind of talk about things. And when you don't know things, look them up together. If you want more of God, make worship a lifestyle, not just a Sunday activity. If you want more of God, serve others with compassion. Get involved here at Valley Church by, by offering some of your time on Sunday morning or midweek programming. If you want more of God, try a life group. Get involved in a community that's sold out to loving Jesus with everything they have. We just start living a life of integrity as we walk with Jesus and toward Jesus. If you want more of God, start, start forgiving other people. You know, God's not expecting for you or I uh, to perform perfectly. But he does expect all of our hearts. He wants us to come to him wholehearted. And the more you and I in, intentionally and consciously include him in our everyday moments, the more you're going to realize his presence. You know, there's a lot of people just going through the motions or pursuing their own path, and it's just, it's just not working. We got to do whatever it takes to know Christ intimately. And if you make pursuing God your purpose, I guarantee he's going to amaze you in how he transforms you. You know, there's no complex formula. There's no like secret prayer. There's not a, a hidden code. We just jump in wholeheartedly. I don't know where you are. If you're in a place where, uh, where you can stand, I would love it if you would just stand up. If you're driving, uh, just keep your eyes open. I want to pray for you. And I'm going to keep my eyes open while I pray. Feel free to, uh, to close your eyes, but stand for this, okay? God, we come before you asking that you fill us with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that, that we may have life uh, a life that is fully pleasing to you, bearing fruit in every good work and, and growing in knowledge of you, being strengthened in all power. God, according to your glorious might, so that we may have great endurance 
and patience and joy, giving thanks to you who has enabled and provided and qualified us to share in the saints' inheritance. You've rescued us, God. You've rescued us from darkness and set us up as citizens of the kingdom of your Son, whom you love so much. In him alone we have redemption. In him alone we have forgiveness of our sins. God, thank you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Love you guys. Have a great week.